I have the privilege of speaking to pick up on something Pastor Charlie shared two weeks ago, a follower of Christ. He shared a great message about being a follower of Christ. He and I had conversations and decided to go ahead and expand that a little bit more. Now, if you've been through the journey, a little, some of this information won't be new to you. But I'm operating on this premise that most of us forget most of what we hear. Is that right? And we need a refresher course. We leak. We get knowledge poured in there, and then it starts to leak out our ears or somewhere immediately. You know, our brain fills up, and we start information dump. But anyway, I'm going to pick up on that, a follower of Christ, and we're calling it a follower of Christ, next steps, how to take next steps. Now, how many of you uh, played in an older elementary and middle school or high school or college, played team sports? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's a lot of people who played team sports. How come you guys didn't go pro? Okay, same reason that I didn't play team sports. I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. Okay, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, you played team sports. You had coaches. And those coaches decided at the beginning or before the beginning of every uh, season that this year was the year you were going to go to state. This year was the year we were going to win state. And they told you repeatedly, they told you until you were sick of hearing it. Now, most of you would drink the Kool-Aid. And you also thought you were going to state. There are only a few people who go to state. And so not every team every year goes to state, but every team starts the year believing they're going to. And the coach works you to death. You do hundreds of reps. You do two-a-days until you think you're going to throw up. Some of you do throw up in the middle of August and two-a-days when it's 103 degrees and you're dying and you need 14 gallons of water and you can't ingest that much water possibly in the time you need it. And you still go back the next day because the coach said, be here or you're off the team. You subject yourself to that. Why? Because you want to win. You want to be part of something bigger than yourself. Every one of us want to be part of something bigger than ourselves and we want to win. We don't go into anything saying, you know, I think I'd just like to lose. I'm going to compete. I'm going to prepare. But I'm going to prepare to lose against the opponent. Or in this case, in our spiritual life, against the enemy. So my question for you is this. If, if we'll subject ourselves to those things to win as some sport that may be a blast, that may turn out to be a career for a, a very few people, uh, why don't we approach our Christian life in that manner? Why don't we approach our walk with Jesus Christ in a manner that says, I am going to take it this year. Uh, this week, the enemy is not going to win against me. This month, the enemy is not going to win. I am going to conquer this struggle I've had or this problem I've had or this sin that has been besetting me in my Christian life. Do you allow people to challenge you, to coach you, if you will, so you'll go to the next level, so you'll take the next steps that Pastor Charlie is always talking about here at Fellowship of the Rockies? Or 
do you just keep on at the same level day after day week after week year after year doing the same thing uh, missing the mark in the same fashion letting the enemy trip you up in the same way falling on your face the same way and saying oh i wish i could do better than this i have good news for you there's a picture in scripture that lays out a simple plan it's in ephesians chapter 4 if you'll find ephesians chapter 4 if you have the old school hard copy bible it's in the new testament if you have a tablet or a phone or whatever uh it just put in eph and uh it'll get you to ephesians all right chapter 4 Verse 11, in fact, those of you, hundreds in our church life journal, uh, those of you who are life journaling earlier this week, this was one of the chapters we read in life journaling. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 11, I want to read two paragraphs. And I want us to just walk through it a few phrases at a time. Here's why. When the Apostle Paul wrote, under the direction of God's Holy Spirit, uh, somehow God's Holy Spirit... Uh, directed the Apostle Paul to write the way I talk, just long run-on sentences with dozens of thoughts in it and, and no periods for a long while. And so the best way to study the writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, and much of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul, the best way to really dig and comprehend this, uh, the studying of God's Word when the Apostle Paul is writing is to take phrases at a time. Because he can, in one sentence, unload six or seven or eight or ten phrases, and each one of those phrases unloads a whole theological thought. And then the next phrase unloads another one. And so I get caught up in those long sentences trying to understand it. What I want us to do today is to walk through these sentence by sentence, phrase by phrase, and understand, and just unpack what he's actually saying to us as the church, the Lord's church. So beginning in verse 11, here's what he says. And I'll be reading from New Living Translation. If you have uh, uh, electronic versions, if you'll select New Living Translation, then, then you'll be following along with the same wording. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So let's pause for a moment. He's been talking about spiritual gifts that, that God gives to, the Holy Spirit gives to individuals. And throughout the New Testament, in, in four different passages of the New Testament, in four different books of the New Testament, there is teaching about spiritual gifts, gifts given to Christians, to believers, by the Holy Spirit, special gifts that enable us to serve others in the body of Christ. And now he kind of turns a corner and he says, by the way, there are some gifts that God gives to the church as a whole not at you as an individual and he says here they are the apostles the prophets those the apostles who, who started the church the new testament church they fostered the new testament church throughout the, the that part of the world and and on to the known world the, the apostles the prophets evangelists the evangelists were the ones who were spreading god's word who today spread god's word share jesus christ everywhere highly gifted, compelled to just tell people about Jesus. People like, if you're older, you know this name, Billy Graham, who traveled the world and hundreds of thousands of people came to know 
Jesus because of his message. And then he ends up with this phrase, and the pastors and teachers. Now, if, as you study this in the Greek, it really is kind of pastors who are teachers. Instead of two different word offices there, it's pastors who are teachers. So, here's who he's speaking about. He just gave you, he, he just said, God gave gifts to the church. And those gifts are in the form of persons. And so, what it says to me is, today, one of the gifts he gives to a church are pastor-teachers. Now, it, it's a weighty responsibility, and the Apostle Paul is about to unpack how weighty, how heavy, how big that responsibility is. Let's go on to verse 12. Their responsibility is to, first, equip people to do God's work. It's equip God's people to do His work. So that's a first responsibility of pastors, teachers. So as pastors of your church, our responsibility is to equip every person to do God's work. That means we invest so you can do it. Not we do it, but we, we invest in you. We teach truth. We, we help you take next steps. So you can be equipped to do God's work. Then it says, and build up the church. Now the picture here is like bodybuilding, okay? In other words, exercise reps so you build up the ability to do the work of following Jesus Christ and obeying Jesus Christ at new and increasing levels, just like weight training, and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the church is Christ's body is the picture the word picture the new testament uses then in verse 13 it says this will continue in other words this is to continue god's design is that it must continue so it's a strong uh, really a stronger statement than just saying well this this might continue no this will that's an imperative this will continue until we all come to such unity so pastors coaches job is to teach so that and and repeatedly teach and lead so that the whole church comes to a place of unity now listen closely unity does not mean we always agree with each other we're human beings pastor friend of mine uh, back in missouri used to say about marriage he said if you if a husband and wife are married and they never disagree, one of you is just not necessary. But, however, you know, the, the best way to get a disagreement is just to put two human beings together. And so unity is a choice. Our unity comes under the direction of the Holy Spirit so that even when we have disagreements, we have decided beforehand that we are going to be unified in the Holy Spirit there's a difference in unity and always agreeing and our job as coaches pastors teachers is to help the church maintain unity then he goes on in verse 13 till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord we're to teach knowledge until every one of us beginning with pastors and on to every person in the church is mature 
Then he, then he states the flip-flop of it. Let's go to verse 14. If we're mature, if we're all grown up, then we will no longer be immature like children. So the pastor's coach's job is to help every person not be childish in the way we process conflict, in the way we process our growth, in the way we take constructive criticism. And I don't mean criticism. I mean constructive like uh, you're out of bounds. Come back in bounds. Encourage you to get on the right track. Those kinds of things. So the pastor's coach's job is to help people get rid of childishness, immaturity. Let's go on to verse 14. Then we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Or some translations will say doctrine. Doctrine just means teaching. And the idea here is that when somebody misunderstands God's word and they teach that and it's incorrect, we have enough knowledge about God's word that we'll immediately know that's not correct. God's word doesn't teach that. And so the pastor's Coaches, teachers' job is to teach the word accurately. So when you run into people who believe things different or that don't line up with the scripture, you'll know. Continue in verse uh, with uh, verse fourteen. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. In addition to people who just kind of study scripture and get it wrong. There are people who intentionally will mislead us. The enemy uses people who intentionally mislead us. And it's the pastor, teacher's, coach's job to teach the word so clearly that we'll know when they're trying to deceive us and trick us. Verse 15. Instead, and this is one of my life-guiding verses, instead we will speak the truth in love. Now, he's going to talk about growing up again here. That's a theme running through all of this. But speaking the truth in love, listen, we can speak the truth to people and not have one ounce of love. Have you ever had those times when somebody does this to you or you did this to someone else? You know the truth and you go and just like a rocket launcher, you go, whoo, there's the truth, you sorry so-and-so. And we just unload it and we walk away in triumph. And they're lying on the ground, bleeding, and we're glad. That's not the way to unload truth according to Scripture, okay? But many of us have done that, and many of us have been the recipient of that kind of unloading of truth. We, we can do the other uh, ditch on the other side of the road. We can love somebody and refuse to tell them the truth because we're afraid it might hurt them. Both of those are incorrect. The Scripture gives us the right picture. So if we're all going to grow up, the Bible says that the pastor's, coach's, teacher's job is to help everybody speak the truth in love. It begins with the pastors doing that and other people following suit. We're to speak the truth in love. And then he says, still in verse 15, we'll grow up in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so here's what we have. Our job is to help you listen to the truth because Jesus himself said the truth will set you free. And that truth is to be spoken with love. And then it helps every person grow up and be more like Jesus Christ. 
I don't know anyone who has been born again who's, who would say, I don't want to be like Jesus Christ at all. Because Jesus Christ lives in us and his Holy Spirit is working in us to draw us to desire to be more like him. And so that's our job as pastors, teachers. Then verse 16, let's wind it up. This is the last verse. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's the picture. The, the goal is to teach, preach in such a way and lead in such a way that our entire church is healthy and strong and that this member of the body is helping this member of the body be stronger and this one is helping this one to grow and develop and mature and we find the muscle the part of the body that is the weakest and the rest of the body is to go there and help that part of the body develop so the whole body can be strong, can be healthy, full of love, the Bible says. Listen, we're not just talking about, I love mom, I love baseball, I love apple pie. We're talking about the love Jesus had when he gave his life for us. The love that is self-sacrificing and the love that is given in spite of the way the other person acts or reacts. That's the pastor's, coach's, teacher's assignment from God. Now, a few years ago, our pastors developed together a, a, a strategy that we believe God led us to. Now, didn't fall out of heaven or anything like that. But we believe it's a simple, straightforward strategy that we, that we found, adapted, developed, that we believe fits Fellowship of the Rockies. Four characteristics that every believer should have and continually have. We call it the four B's. I said earlier, if you've been through the journey, you've heard these four B's. But what I want to do today is unpack them a little bit differently and challenge you a little bit more strongly to do and engage in a system, a simple system that your coaches, your pastors have said we believe will help every person be more like Jesus, will help every person begin to accomplish all of those things this passage in Ephesians just said. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this. These four phrases are in the present, active, ongoing tense, the verbs in them, the four Bs. They're not past tense. Any point in time when you begin to speak about these four things in the past tense, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to put you back on track. Just write it down. Any time you're talking about these things in the past tense, you need to do a checkup. Okay? So here are the four Bs. You fill them in. The first one is believing in Jesus. Now, not believing there's a God or that Jesus exists. In, in Scripture, the word believe is like taking the word faith or trust and turning it from a noun into a verb. You place your complete trust in Jesus Christ. And I understand that uh, there's a point in time, the Scripture teaches that we are to choose to allow Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to take over Savior and Lord, forgiver and boss, 
forgiver and absolute Lord. It begins with salvation, being born again, but it is forever. It's eternal. In, John, in the Gospel of John, the Bible says this, But to all who did receive him, that's the believing, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Scripture says this, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized it will be saved, born again. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, some of you in this room very well may need to believe on Jesus as your Savior and Lord and be born again. You may not have done that yet. I would challenge you today could be the day that you are radically transformed and you give your life to Jesus. Many of you, if not most of you, have already done that, past tense. You believed in Jesus, but let me submit to you that you are presently believing in Jesus for your salvation, and you will continue believing in Jesus Christ for your salvation. So believing in Jesus Christ is not something that is past tense. Oh, I did that, been there, done that, it's over with. No, if you've been there and done that, it is never over with. Believing in Jesus is a first step of this. Second B is belonging to his family. Belonging to his family locally is important. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, okay, the church of Jesus Christ is all over the world and I belong to that and that's sufficient. There is no place to go when you hurt if you only belong to that church all over the world. God calls us to local gatherings. In Hebrews, it talks about don't forsake, gathering yourselves together. In the New Testament, that was obviously the practice. Belonging to his family is important. In, Act, in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, the early church this is described this way in Scripture. So those who received his word were baptized. In other words, they came to believe, and they went public with it, with baptism. And they were added... That day, about 3,000 souls. What were they added to? The church that Jesus Christ had already birthed and established. They received the word and were baptized, and they were added to that local gathering of people called the church. Later, just a few verses later, in verse 47 of Acts 2, it says, And the Lord, again, it says, added to their number day by day those who were being saved. He added to those he'd already established. Jesus Christ gave his life for the church, and he keeps adding to that church. Another verse in Romans 8 says, You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We're his children. He's our Father. We are family. Healthy families get together. Healthy families love each other. Healthy families are unified. The same is true in the Christian family. In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself said this, By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. When we really love each other, when we're really unified, we're belonging to a family that's a healthy, growing family. Christian family, people notice. They pay attention because that kind of love 
doesn't exist in most places. By the way, our horizontal relationships, those with each other, impact our vertical relationship with God. This verse talks about the way people will know that we really are rightly related to God is where we're rightly related to each other. Do not think, I'm okay with God, I just can't get along with other people. Then God is grieved at what you're doing if you can't get along with other people. So, this is the way. All people will know you're my disciples if you love each other. You want to belong and you want to be continually belonging starts with the journey that you heard about on the video announcements. That's where it all begins with the journey and we tell you how you can be belonging to the family. The third B, becoming his disciple. So you've, be you've been believing in Jesus and you're belonging to his family but you know there's more. God wants to do more. Becoming his disciple. When we receive Christ as Lord, we are his disciple. It's a forever deal, okay? We don't have to worry, well, today I'm kind of his, his, and tomorrow, if I mess up too badly, I may not be his any longer. That's not the case. When he adopts us as his child, he never kicks us out of the family. But becoming his disciple means becoming his follower, okay? The word disciple, mathetes, in the Greek means learner. One who's following and learning by experience. That's why we call it a follower of Christ. But we not only were placed in the family, but we are constantly becoming what he wants us to be as his follower. So it's a continual lifelong process. John 15, 8, here's how Jesus described it. He said, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples listen the only way we'll ever bear much fruit is every hour of every day every minute of every day submitting to him and letting him work in us so we can bear new fruit each day that can never be past tense so um, your coaches pastors have decided developed pray prayerfully developed Two simple things that will help you win as you're becoming a disciple. And these are so simple, but you might forget them, so write them down. They both begin with the word life. Life journal, life groups. That's so simple, but it works. If you're going to become his disciple, here's what you need. You've got to be Velcroed to two things if you're going to be becoming his disciple. God's word. And significant Christian relationships. That's not your old buddies from high school, by the way. It could be, but it's usually not. Significant Christian relationships are people who desire to see you grow so much that they will encourage you constantly to obey at new levels. Oh, by the way, not just encourage you, but when you're out of bounds, they'll blow the whistle on you and tell you to get back in bounds. They'll throw the penalty flag on you. That's a life group. That's what a life group looks like. That's what a life group does. You study God's Word together, and you encourage each other in spiritual growth. Now, we happen to be on a semester break as of two weeks ago for life groups. Do not let that discourage you. In just a few more weeks, we'll have open enrollment for life groups again for them to kick off in late August. 
But in the meantime, we have D3 classes this summer. They began this past week, but you can be a Johnny or Janie come lately and get in there. Don't let that bother you that they already started. Get in there and do the extra homework to catch up. Do something that makes a difference. But, it, but the mainstay of two simple practices is life journaling that helps you feed yourself God's Word so you'll always be becoming His disciple and life groups. That's, that Velcros you to significant Christian relationships that will keep you in bounds and keep you scoring, okay? That's the first three Bs. The final one is building his kingdom. Now, here's a significant thing about this. Notice whose kingdom it is. Often we get so caught up in ourselves and our problems and our felt supposed needs that we forget this is not our kingdom at all it is not about me i challenge you in your quiet time in your life journaling before you read the scripture say to yourself life is not about me it's about god's glory and oh by the way you get a great deal of benefit from that and your best life is to live for his glory but it's his kingdom he determines how he wants it built he determines what he wants it to look like we don't get to tell him what he should do although we try repeatedly but we get to join him in his work then we receive the joy we receive the fulfillment for it Look what Jesus said to his disciples as he was getting ready to go away and he was about to leave this job of building his kingdom to these, this ragamuffin band of disciples. Verse 18, Matthew 28. Jesus said this, He came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Put very simply, he said this, make disciples. Build my kingdom. The way to build his kingdom is with more disciples. Then he said, baptize my disciples. Go public. Challenge them. Urge them to go public with their believing in Jesus. And then he said, you also need to mature disciples, help them to grow up, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then just about the time the disciples were thinking, how can we possibly do this? He said, oh, by the way, I'll always be with you to the end of the world. That's how we do it. That's how we build his kingdom. He's with us always to the end of the world. Now, here's what we ask, very simply. We don't know all that God has for each of you in building his kingdom. But we know if he's called you to this church, that there's some place in this church, in the ministries of this church, for you to serve him and build his kingdom. I don't know if it's in children's ministry, where you, you always, in every church, you always need more ministry partners in children's ministry. I don't know if it's in student ministry with middle school and high school students where they always can use uh, student leaders and student mentors to radically impact the lives of teenagers. I don't know if it's prayer partners where every week you have the opportunity to 
impact people's life spiritually. If it's a greeter or an usher, if you've ever been treated poorly by someone greeting you coming into a business establishment or a church, you already know how significant it is to have greeters and ushers who have the love of Jesus and who will help you when you come in and you're just a wreck that day and all you want is a friendly face, someone to love you, someone to smile, and someone to assure you that Jesus Christ is going to meet you at that place. There, there are many other places. I don't know if God would call you to volunteer at one of the two elementary schools we have a partnership with to impact children's and families' lives. I don't know where it is. But here's our challenge for you as coaches. Don't sit on the sidelines. Start somewhere. Pursue pastors, uh, ministry leaders, and find a place to start serving. Here's what we'll guarantee you. If you're in the wrong place, we'll help you find the right place. If you can't stand it there and you just don't fit there, we'll help you find the place you fit. But begin serving somewhere. Now, last year our church participated in a spiritual life survey. Five, six hundred uh, out of our church family went online. Uh, everybody had the opportunity to do it, but uh, nearly 600 went online and did this 30 or 40 minute survey about our church. Now, the survey revealed some really amazing things that God has greatly blessed our church, that many people are taking next steps regularly and growing in their faith and obeying God, reading His Word, those kinds of things. And, and we were thrilled with that, with the number of people who are responding in that fashion. But the survey also revealed that there are some who are choosing to just kind of stall out and not take the next steps that Pastor Charlie challenges with every week. People attend church, but don't take the next step of committing their life to Jesus Christ. People who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are, uh, sometimes aren't taking the next step to be baptized, to go public, to show that picture of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and our death to the old life and our resurrection to the new life that the Bible describes. People who are born again and baptized sometimes stall out right there and don't begin to serve in a ministry. Sometimes they are born again and baptized and they serve in a ministry, but they say, no, nah, that life journaling stuff or joining a life group, uh, I don't know about that. And then there are people who are members who just decide that, I mean, they go all the way through the membership and they take all the next steps to become a member. And then they don't trust the coaches enough to say, a life group is the next place. Life journaling is the way I feed myself every day. And then there are people in life groups who have chosen to not serve in a ministry and build the kingdom. There are people who are serving and building a kingdom who don't, choose to be accountable to others in a life group so they can grow more aggressively see the picture listen this works if you doubt it here's what i'll challenge you to do talk to people who are in a life group see if it's made a difference in their life if you find someone who says worst thing i ever did was to join a life group do this ask them to please come and talk with me because i would like to find out where we missed the mark i would love to find that out because I talk to dozens and dozens of people whose, whose spiritual life is radically different because they're life journaling, they're in a life group, they're serving, they are becoming his disciple, they're building his kingdom. It's simple, it's straightforward, but here's the challenge. Will you allow the coaches to speak into your life 
the ministry leaders of this church to speak into your life and say, hey, get off the bench. Get in the game. Take the next step. Oh, I know it hurts when you do that over and over. I know it's harder than just sitting on the bench. But if you want to be in the game and you want to win against the enemy, this is how you can do it. One thing, and I want you to listen closely to this, please. Don't misunderstand this. I talk to people often who will say, yes, I know I need to take that next step. Baptism, life journaling, life group, serving a ministry, whatever out of, out of these four Bs. I know I need to do that, and I'm waiting for God to really lead me to do that. You know what I want to say? I don't, I have never said this. I may start saying this now that I've gone public. But what I'm thinking inside is, what? Are you serious? Jesus came to earth and died and rose from the dead. And he, his Holy Spirit directed people to write the Bible that is full of these kind of instructions to be baptized and to follow him and to be his disciple and to build his kingdom. And you're waiting for a goosebump feeling to come over you when the God of the universe wrote a book about it? Does that make any sense to you? I'm going to sit back and wait for the goosebumps when God directed people to write his word. I, I may sound kind of emphatic, but that's true. God's already spoken. Our job is to Help each other just do it. Just take the next step. That's what your pastors and coaches are here for. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? Maybe you haven't believed on Jesus, and you ought to do that today. Maybe you have believed and are believing in Jesus, and you need help in becoming his disciple, or belonging to his family, or building the kingdom. I don't know what your need is today, but right now is the most important time of the worship service. We worship, we sing to the Lord, we hear his word, and this is the point where we respond with obedience. I don't know what your need is today, but at the end of every service, we pray for people. We offer prayer. You can receive prayer for whatever need. You may be wrestling with a life decision and you are just... Don't, you just don't know what to do for the next step, and you need wisdom. Our prayer partners would love to pray with you. Maybe you're struggling, the loss of a loved one or loss of a job or whatever, and it just ran over you like a truck this weekend or during this week, and you need someone to help bear that burden. Maybe God spoke to you during the sermon that there's a definite next step, and you have been unwilling to take it, and today you've decided, I am going to take the coaching offered by this church. And you want to take that next step. Whatever it is, we want to pray for you. Our prayer partners will be here in just a moment. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And after I pray, I'll ask you to stand. When I ask you to stand, that is your signal to begin coming. Prayer partners will be coming along with you. You won't be the only one walking. They'll come with you. They'll pray with you. They'll minister to you. And it will help lift your burden. Father, I pray. In the name of Jesus, that today, as people consider what you've already said to them, what you've already instructed them to do, I pray 
that each person who has been moved by your Holy Spirit would come immediately to receive prayer. All the rest who haven't been called to a specific prayer need, I pray that they would begin praying right now for those who are going to come and continue to pray at this most important time of our worship service. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.